Happy July 5th, my people. <gasps> Homies! <laughs> Homies, we're trying to figure out our thing, how we are going to talk to people. We don't know. And it doesn't matter. It doesn't it matter. It doesn't matter. They, they know. They know. They don't need to be welcome. I'm Steve. Cam. Cam. We're What's here. Up? Back at it again. Um, yeah. Man, we have a awesome guests on today's podcast i'm particularly fond of this one you are particularly fond of him yeah and uh man his name is dr pastor bishop father man of the hour mm. legend pope. not the pope he drips wisdom he does drip wisdom quote unquote him quote unquote <laughs> that's what he says <laughs> and and he's humble he he's, really is he's, humble he is he's humble. actually one of the most humble people I but know. pastor tim maynard is on the podcast today mm-hmm. and we all we we both know him personally for a long time mm-hmm. i know for me um he was really i had pastors growing up but when i moved to jacksonville he's a pastor um has been in ministry 40 some odd years um been pastoring at Fruco Baptist Church in Jacksonville mm-hmm. for um, almost 30 years. Almost 30. And so I was a 13-year-old um, when I first met Pastor Tim, and he he pastored, really was my first kind of pastor as I grew up in the faith. Yeah. And so he's, um, you know, and then eventually was in somewhat a boss. Uh, he was your boss. Was my boss. He was my boss. He was your boss, too. But yeah. you you haven't known him quite as long, but but probably in more intimate ways. That's weird, but yes. Sorry, me and Tim. Someone's gonna like clip that and and, and get us in trouble. But um, yeah, so I I met Tim five years ago, mm-hmm. uh, I think, and uh, we started a mentoring relationship, and eventually through through a bunch of circumstances and situations, um, I was poor as heck. And um, and going through seminary and all the things, and so Tim um, decided to be generous and allow me to move into one of his empty rooms, and so we were roommates. And I re- really got adopted into his family, and I consider them family. And and so um, I, I got to I got to see Tim um, in the pulpit preaching, and I got to see him in his real life. And he's he's the same man on stage that he is in and in real life. And he yeah. he loves the Lord, he loves people, and he's one of the most sacrificial, generous people I've ever met. And so I'm excited. I'm excited that we get to to have him on the podcast, but he also was one of our first sponsors. So that's he, right. He bought these mics, the mics that we are speaking into that you were hearing the crispness, crisp crispness uh, of our voice, uh, not Christmas crispness. Anyway, yeah, we're due to him and we're going to get into today. Um, and he's going to lead us through a uh, kind of discussion on church leadership failure and, and, and just hurt that just the hurt, church causes. Hurt that, hurt that the church causes. Yeah. And uh, man, just as he would say, drips wisdom on, <laughs> he does. Uh, on this, this podcast. And so we're grateful to have Pastor Maynard, Dr. Bishop Tim, Tim Maynard guy, with us today. That guy. Grateful for him. And so hope you enjoy this podcast. All right, everybody. Cam and Steve here with Dr. Pastor. Bishop Father. Bishop Father. Legend, <laughs> myth, with blah. Pastor Tim Maynard. Thank you, man, for being here with oh, us. Oh, my honor, man. I'm excited. Glad to be with Grateful. you. Grateful. Um, Glad to be with you. Man, I think we're, we're jumping into a topic today and discussing some things that, um, again, with a lot of our topics, we probably could do three or four podcasts on because this is mm-hmm. something that... Um, as we've seen in our, our world today, a lot of people deconstructing and all these things because of church hurt history, because of, um, man, just weird relationships with church leaders um, and, and, and all the, the struggle that that brings and stuff like yeah. that. I think we could, we could be here a while, but we're, we're going to have um, Pastor Tim kind of lead us through some discussion, answer some questions on that. Yeah, I mean, like, we just live in a world today and, like, media 
nationalizes everything. Mm-hmm. We've had the stuff with the Southern Baptist Convention. Oh yeah, that mm-hmm. that you have, are very familiar with. We've had the stuff with Ravi Zachariah. It just seems like mm-hmm. leader after leader after leader yeah. in the church is just falling short of something. And we we all know that we're all sinners and all the things, but. It, it has impacted the church worldwide, and there, there people are like, we can't rely on our leaders, we can't rely on the church, this is just obsolete or irrelevant, we're just gonna go do our own faith and we don't need the body. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I've just, I've seen that more and more in people our age and younger, and so I, I think it would be just helpful to hear from each of each of you. Um, you, do you included. It, me included. <laughs> Like, do you have a story where you have been particularly hurt, maybe by a church leader um, or a church member, and mm-hmm. and how that impacted your faith or whatnot? Um, hmm. But don't know if you guys got anything. Yeah, you know, when uh, I, I I grew up in church, and my dad was an interim minister of music for nine years in my home church, hmm. uh, and it was a place where I was baptized. I first, you know, met the Lord there, and. And uh, it was a very um, reformed, fundamentalist Southern Baptist church. Hmm. Yes. Uh, yeah, it was all Amen. the things. It was all the things. Glory. Um, and it was very. It was a very deacon-run church. Okay. Okay. So you have to go back to me being 16 years old. Hmm. And I was 16. I was a um, kind of a wannabe musician. I was playing drums. And um, and it just occurred to me in church one day. I thought, you know, we we need to do some church music. I had a, a guy that played bass, who was a lost guy. I mean, really lost. Uh, didn't do church at all. His parents didn't go to church. Um, we had a we had a, a keyboard, a, a, a pianist in the church who was uh, very good, and she wanted to do something too. So anyway, I arranged this practice session, jam session kind of deal in the basement of our church. Nice. One day during the week, and I invited this guy who was the bass player. He agreed to come, and and this lady was doing piano stuff. So we were doing, I mean, we were doing, you know, heavy Jesus music, you know, put your hand in the hand of the man, and mm. we'd even squeeze in a George Harrison, "My Sweet Lord." You know, I mean, we were. Mm. This is history. Know, this is put history. In, this put in is the show music notes so you can history. look those songs up. <laughs> but you know, the short story, and and it's a longer one, but the short story is, we were down there practicing one night, and it was really going well. I mean, it was it was giving me a place. I felt like I was expressing. You know, kind of my faith through my music, and and yeah. you know, of course, the the pianist was very innocent in in what she was doing. The bass guy was just there to hang out and play some, hmm. and we were we were really doing well. And, and it was again, this was like my friend's first exposure ever to church, so it was like, wow, well, this is a, this is all right. Yeah. And one evening, the head deacon came in uh, with his whip and turning over the tables, and basically told us to pack up our garbage mm, and get yeah. out of the Lord's house and you know we don't need this kind of stuff going on in this house and basically threw us out of the church you know for for playing music mm. as young people so mm. that event that that really I mean I have worked through that over the years yeah uh, but it was a very very scarring event to me it, it really colored me and in, in my in my opinion of the church at that time mm. uh, it basically was a component and I mean I, I have to take my own responsibility I'm not passing my responsibility on this but yeah. it 
it was my moment to say, if that's the way the church is, I don't need it. Right. Yeah. And so that became the foundation of my rejection of everything for the next four or five years as a Christian. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, I just pushed it back. I said, I don't need this stuff. And uh, so anyway, uh, ironically, the Lord used music to bring me back in. I ended up being invited to come back into the church to play in the big room, in the sanctuary. Oof. I set my drums up. Uh, that at that time smelled like beer and cigarettes, and, <laughs> and uh, because they had been in Same many sense. clubs, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, you know, but at any rate, I was welcomed then. It was like that became my entree back in. But it was, you know, it, that was my first experience with really being hurt by a church, yeah. And uh, and seeing that happen, that was not my last, but it was my first, and it was a hard one. You know, mm. it was really tough because mm. of my age, because of a lot of things. So, man. I, I think for me, like there, there's just a few things. I, I I wasn't raised in church, but I had like some introduction. I, I was telling Stephen earlier today. I'm doing this um, project uh, for school, and it's it's making me evaluate um, like where are the obvious moments where God intervened or God moved in your life or was guiding you to Himself. And so you have to evaluate all these past things. And I was reminded of the first church I ever went to with with my grandmother and i i remember there was this pastor and that she prophesied to me that the lord would do all of these things and made all these promises and then also that she that god would deliver my dad from all of his addictions and Mm -hmm. that he would be healed and we would have a healthy family Mm -hmm. i remember that like i was like three or four and my mom, like, I think she really grasped onto that. I think we all did. Now, and we were, I, my family wasn't a family of faith. Like, that, my mom believed, but my dad did not. And it was, it was a traumatic situation. But I remember really holding on to that. And then when my dad died at 10, I was like, what the heck? I was angry at God yeah. because of this prophetic thing that was said. Mm-hmm. And then I remember really questioning, I'm like, what does this even mean? And I, and after that, there was, Obviously, I came. I, I came to know the Lord at fourteen through wrestling through a lot of things and working through a lot of things because I didn't know Scripture, I didn't know the church, I didn't. I didn't know all of the the, the stories. Mm. <laughs> but I remember being upset with a leader. That was the first moment I was upset with a leader of the church. Like, how could you quote unquote prophesy and say that this was the words of God? And somehow I inadvertently got upset with God, um, and I had to work through. A lot of the trauma. There was other situations. I grew up in the South, and mm-hmm. so I remember pastors and church members also saying, "Like, um, why are these black people in our church?" Mm-hmm. And I, 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 that's just common from where I'm from. And I remember getting really angry. Like, I thought this this was supposed to be a place mm-hmm. where Christ's love or God's love, quote unquote, is supposed to reign, but it didn't seem that. So I had to wrestle through a lot um, in my story. That, I, that was the first story I remember because yeah. I'm going through this project thing, and it's. Triggering a lot of memories. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, and I think what happens to us is that we get hurt and then we start looking for reasons. We start looking for facts, validation to say, okay, yes, I was right to be hurt. Yeah. Because this is how church people are. Mm-hmm. You know, and we start looking for all the, the data to say, you know, I mean, you got hurt by this prophesying lady basically yeah. you got disappointed yeah. really was what your situation was you were disappointed you know you you thought god was going to come through in a certain way god did not yeah and then now and then you start looking for ways to backfill that 
hey, I'm, I'm, I was right to be hurt because look at how prejudiced people are. Look at mm-hmm. how exactly. narrow-minded. Look at this. And so, and I think that's I see that happening with people a lot. Yeah, you know, it's just there is this foundation. There's this there's this kernel of hurt somewhere in us. Hmm. And and we just build this shell of all these reasons for why we are right to be hurt. Yeah. We mm. we deserve to feel the way we feel because this is the way church people treat people and that kind of yeah. thing. So, hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's it's just crazy how like all of our hurt and all of our pain we can project it onto something that wasn't the cause. Exactly. Right. <laughs> so yeah, it, it's just like, see, yeah. I was right. See, yeah. and you start pointing to all these, and and of course, unfortunately, now. We've got a plethora of things you can point at and say, "Yeah, see right. that, see that, see that, see that, see that." Yeah, and, yeah, that's good. And that's what we do. So. Yeah. I would say, like in light of that, man, both those stories and, and and what you just said, you know, now that we're in an era where there is a a just a massive sample size of yes. situations to yeah. to point at, um, whether minor or pretty pretty large, um, what would you say? Man, just looking at the church, and obviously, I mean, I think, you know, we hear that statement that, you know, the church doesn't, you know, hurt people. People hurt people. Right. You know, we'd like to put those things next to each other, whereas mm-hmm. I was hurt yeah. by a church leader, therefore I was hurt by the church, um, and therefore that is now every church that I see, I'm going to yeah. project that on. But what would you say, in, in just looking at all of the things going on in our world today and in the past, what would you say is wrong with the church or church leadership? In, well, in I think experience. first of all, let me let me say in a in a in a more meta way, you know, more than more than just that. I think we are. I think we're experiencing collective trauma today. Mm-hmm. I think there is because the pandemic, because of the election, because of the craziness of all the things that are happening. Uh, now the economy, and you mm-hmm. know, now COVID's back again, and you know, all <laughs> these things are happening. I think that there's a collective trauma that's happening, and, and it's affecting the church yeah. in some major ways. I mean, I'm dealing with a lot of different churches across the state, talking to different pastors, some I know, some people I don't know, that are telling me stories of what's happening in their churches. I spent all last week walking with a guy through a major church conflict in, in his congregation. And he wasn't a pastor, but he was a lay leader, and mm-hmm. he was just trying to figure out what's going on. But, but again, over and over again, he was, he was sharing with me symptoms of this trauma. And, and it's like people are looking for some place for their anger and their anxiety and their frustration, their depression, their loss, all of that to go. Well, they bring it to church, as I've said before. You know, people bring their stuff to church with them. Mm. You know, something happens at home at 830 it's in the pew at 9.30. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's sitting with you in the pew. Yeah. Uh, if you have a conflict in your car on the way to church, that goes to church with you. So mm-hmm. you bring all that stuff, that garbage, and those things that are rolling around inside of you, it, it expresses itself in the church, too. So mm-hmm. church is not a, it's not like you get to go to church and you have the walls of the sanctuary protect you from mm-hmm. all these other things that are happening yeah. in the culture and, and in that. So I'm not trying to... And, and as I tell people over and over again, God fired me as his defense attorney a long time ago. I don't defend God. I don't try yeah. to explain. God does what God mm. does, and God's sovereign in that. I don't, I'm not stepping in trying to say, this is why God's doing these things. Mm. I'm not, you know, but I, I know people, 
and I understand, you know, what what happens in, in people's emotional system. And then when you pile that together, you have a collective emotion. You yeah. know, you've got the hive mind and the hive emotion, you know, that, that yeah. people feel. That begins to impact how we how we respond to things. I'm not sure that things are so much worse in the church right now, but the way we're responding to it is making it a lot worse than mm. it maybe used to be. It's mm. now we're discovering more, we're learning more, we're having more uncovered. I think this is a time, and I, I don't, you know, and and again, I don't think this is like a demonic thing. I think yeah. I think God is allowing some things to happen. Mm to really get the church back to a place where we can be honest again and say, here's who we are. Hmm. But, uh, but I, I think some of the issues are, are, are really more in that yeah. realm. I think there are some things happening that we're not dealing with well. We're not yeah. being healthy about how we're handling it. We're not, you know, so every issue blows up into a mega, you know, when you get disappointed with a church leader, well, I'm going to deconstruct my faith. Yeah. Well, that's an overreaction to, to what's really happening. What you really need to do is say, dude, what, what's going on? I mean, why did you do that? You know, and, and what do we need to do to help you not do that again? Right. Rather than I'm just going to blow the whole thing up. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, we get mad, so the, the whole thing needs to come down now. And, and that's not necessarily so because when we tear it down, what are we going to build back? we got to build something back. And yeah. nobody knows how to build anything back. Yeah. But we know how to blow it up. Yeah. yeah. We're all great terrorists. You know, we're not great. We're not great at reconstructing. And we're rebuilding. all good at demolition. So, again, yeah. deconstruct your faith. So what are you going to You're going to have faith in something when you deconstruct. You know, people do that. And, and they're, you know, but it's, it's not, again, anything you do is a faith system. If you have, if you're an atheist, you have to have faith to be an atheist. Right. You know, there's a faith system that comes with being an agnostic. You know, it's not like you're going, well, I'm going to go to no faith. No, you're not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're just replacing something else where you had the Lord. You had the church. You had God's people. Now, well, I don't want that. So you're pulling something in to that void. So you're, mm-hmm. you know, you're putting your faith in something, maybe something that is not solid, something that's not true, but you're putting it there. Yeah. yeah. So it's not like your faith just goes away and you're just floating without. No, you're, you cannot not have faith. Hmm. There's no there's no place you can go and not have faith. You've got to have it in something. You're going to put it somewhere and at some point it's going to land on a person. You're going to believe in a person. You're going to say, "Well, this person is, you know, people are deconstructing not because they're fine, they're just kind of pulling that out of the wind. They're reading this on the internet going, "Well, this guy's doing that, so I'm going to do it too." Yep. Yeah. So what have you done? Well, you put your faith in that person and that person's decision. Mm-hmm. Well, they were an influencer, and now they're doing this. Well, that's influencing me. You know, I mean, yeah. they're still influencing you. Yeah, they're just doing it in a different direction. So, well, I, I think like you, you brought up some really interesting and like really good points. I, I, one of the things that I heard you say was you were talking about collective trauma. Obviously, like our trauma in the way that we like we've been harmed by people, or we've been yes. hurt by people, yes. or we have internal harm, like yes. we're harming ourselves, right. Right. and that harm is essentially in non inadvertently harming other people or it can it by the way we respond and i I think one of the things that i would love to hear from you is i I think a a lot of people like hear the word trauma and i think they mean different things Mm -hmm. so i I would love to hear from you like what what how would you define trauma and then secondly you said that how we're responding is kind of why the church is in this kind of disheveled situation um, what are some of the ways that you're seeing people today respond differently than they did 
20 years ago. Yeah, okay. Well, well, first of all, let me, let me go to the trauma piece. You know, the, I mean, trauma is, there, there's a sliding scale, you're right, of definition of trauma. Yeah. I mean, you know, some of the trauma, you know, the, some of the trauma that I've dealt with, I've dealt with missionaries out of situations where they've experienced violence on the mission field. Yeah. I've dealt with, you know, with, um, actually, I've dealt with some military people who have come back from the military. They can't go, they won't go to their base uh, uh, providers, their counselors, and their psychologists on base because that goes in their in their folder. Yeah. So if they want to continue to climb and to continue to be promoted in the military, they have to go off off mm. grid. You know, to be able to say, you know, can you talk to me without telling my commander that we're doing it? Yeah. I mean, I'm not. Yeah. I have no. I have no necessary reporting. You know, I don't have a mandatory reporting process that I have to do yeah. with, with that. So sometimes I'll get military people that will come to me and, and process through their PTSD or whatever. Um, and, and, you know, and, and just, you know, you've got the people that have just experienced violence. I mean, I've got, you yeah. know, some folks that just have, have been robbed at gunpoint, those kind of things. I mean, there's just been violence that they've experienced. And there's a certain kind of, I mean, there's a certain, tr- you know, trauma is a, is a protective reaction to a horrific event okay yeah. you've had something happen that's just more than you can process so trauma is is your emotional and your soul's response yeah. to something horrible to something mm-hmm. terrible you know now I, I think as as we think about it in a collective sense you know there's a there there is a collective trauma that's happening to people because of what's happening in the culture mm-hmm. we can't point a finger at somebody we can't i can't you know you can't blame donald trump or joe biden for this trauma it, it's not a political tra- it's not politically driven although it has a political expression yeah. uh it's it's not and and we want to point usually we want to blame somebody for the trauma yeah now some of the some of the blame is getting pointed at church leaders right now well yeah. you know you're you you know you've disappointed me or you've failed or you've messed up uh, and, and I'm not excusing anything that church leaders have done yeah. as, that, that's terrible that they've done that people are saying, hey, we ca- we're calling you out on that. But some of that, there is a collective need to blame somebody. Whose fault is this? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's, somebody's messed up. Somebody, you know, somebody gave me COVID. Somebody, somebody you know, somebody made COVID up in a laboratory. And, and so, you know, and it's their fault for doing that. And, yeah. Or let's blame Anthony Fauci or let's do whatever – and, and so we want to find a person that we can focus that trauma on. You know, it's the, your fault mm. that, I'm, that I'm traumatized in this way. Mm. Rather than saying, as you've already, as you said well at the beginning, you know, we are a broken world. We live in a broken world. We are sinful people yeah. living in a broken, sinful world. And, and these are things that are going to happen. Yeah. And, and, and as the coming of Jesus gets closer and closer, they're going to get worse and worse. You know, it's yeah. just this is where we are. So some of this is, hey, let's just acknowledge we're in the last days. You know, and I'm not, you know, I'm not going all, we'll set a date and, you know, get our white robes ready for Jesus to come back. I'm not doing that. If you were going to set a date. But if I was going to set a date, I was, I told her, I told the folks Sunday night, I said, you know, I, said I, I knew Jesus was going to come back before I was 25. And and you can probably do the math right now and realize that's not going to happen. You know, I'm not, you know, that's, that's probably going to be a missed date. But, but, you know, it, I want Jesus to come back. You know, I yeah. want it. I want it to happen. I need it to happen soon. I'd rather happen sooner than later. I want to. I want Jesus to come back before I die. Mm-hmm. Now I'm I'm over 25, but I'd love to see it happen 
you know, with but at least before I, you know, I'd love to see it happen before I leave. But if I don't, you know, I either get to go up or I get to come back. So I get to be there either way it happens. So it's it's cool. But but at any rate, you know, we are we're in some of this is just this is the natural decline of our culture, decline mm. of the world. It's the rotting of the fruit. It's the you know we're I mean we are at the pl- at the place where you know everything's going to start getting worse and worse. And we got to learn how to cope with that. Yeah. We're not doing that well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, some of this is just, you know, I, I mean, sometimes I'll talk to a person, you know, I'll have people come in for counseling and, and, and they'll say, well, my, my child is just so sad. Uh, and, and this is a problem. I said, no, it's not. Mm-hmm. I, said, well, I said, number one, if you were growing up in this world right now, would you be sad? Well, yeah, probably. Okay. Yeah. So what's happening? They're growing up in this world right now. It, it, you know, some of the best things that have ever happened to our culture have happened through people that are sad. So I yeah. said, I said, yeah. being sad is not a sickness that you got to fix. Now there are kids that are going off the edge, and they're just so in such darkness they want to take their life. I get that, but every kid that's sad, I'm just going. They're sane. Yeah. yeah. They're, they're the sane people. If you're happy right now, you're the insane person. Yeah. You're, you're the person. I mean, I'm going, okay, well, what's wrong with you? You know, what are you taking? Because because this world is, is hurt. Mm. It's hard. It's hurtful. It's, we hurt each other, and, yeah. and we're hurting people, and hurting people hurt people. And, you know, these kind of things are just kind of rolling out. But some of that is just that trauma that we're feeling. You know, we're just like... You know, again, I was reading some economic stuff. I'm getting ready to retire, so I'm a little bit, you know, concerned about the stock market. And I'm reading this stuff now. I don't usually read this. I'm going, oh man, I need to read these reports. <laughs> so I'm reading this stuff, and it's just like they're going, you know, we are, we, you're not, you're not, you don't have any idea how bad the shock is. It's getting ready to come. Yeah. You know, as the Federal Reserve keeps raising its rates, you know. So we can get mad at the guy that's at the top of the Federal Reserve and say, well, it's your fault for making things worse. You know, they're trying to make things better the best they can. They're not going to. It's going to make things worse. Yeah. But they think they're making it better by the fixes that they're putting in place. But it's going to hurt you. It's going yeah. to hurt me. And, and, again, this continues to add to the trauma. But the anger is going to be directed. They understand this. You know, the, the culture's anger is going to be directed at them. Mm-hmm for doing what they're trying to do to fix things. Well, that's mm-hmm. what happens, you know, when, and especially when you're in the church and you're trying to, um, you know, quotation marks, fix things, uh, people are going to look at you and they're going to attack you because you're trying to fix this. Yeah. You know, well, this must be your fault if you're trying to fix it, so therefore we're going to just kind of blow up on you. Yeah. So, But the overreaction, I think the question you're asking, you know, the way we're, we're acting – the overreaction that we're having to everything is amplified by the trauma. So, you know, we are, everything become, you know, everybody has to speak to everything. You know, you've got to, yeah, I got to get on social media and let people know how I feel. Mm-hmm. Well, no, you don't. Yeah. You know, no, you don't. No, you don't. No, you don't. No, I don't Stay really off care. Media. I don't really care how you feel. I don't really <laughs> want to know. I don't, you don't need to post this. No, I don't need to know your opinion. I don't need to know how much you know. I don't need that. But we need to do that. Yeah. And, and this is what people feel. Well, I, at least I'm going to let somebody know how I'm feeling and how terrible I think things are. Well, okay, your vote is cast. Okay, we know you think yeah. things are terrible. Well, that's great. But I don't need to hear any more from you. So, you know, again, but that's – again, this is part of our trauma too. The, yeah. the whole social media reaction, the whole yeah. social media chaos is, is a traumatic reaction to what's happening in the world. So this is the way we're trying to vent some of that 
pressure from that trauma. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think more than anything, and I think mm-hmm. the collective trauma, it, it, it comes across in way it's, it comes across. You know, uh, if you, you're having brain fog, you're having some brain fog mm-hmm. in your life right now, mm-hmm. that's probably trauma. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we've been traumatized. Yeah. We, yeah, and, and trauma and, 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 you know, just that, that loss of clarity and sharpness and focus mentally is, is, a, is a symptom of, of trauma. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can't. I can't get my head together. Can't get my thoughts. I can't read. I can't remember stuff. I'm forgetting where I put my keys. You know, those kind of things. I I thought I was relieved, honestly, when I found that out because I thought I'm thought, man, I'm it's old. I'm old age. You know, it's just a, man I'm losing my mind. But I'm thinking, no, this is everybody. Everybody's feeling this way. This is yeah. trauma, and and this is the way we're reacting to it. But anyway, and it's affecting mm. the church. This is what I'm saying. We're not taking into right. account. The, the impact that trauma is having on the church and how we are handling each other. And yeah. we're tearing each other apart in the church yep. over this. Yep. Yeah. Because we don't know how to, you know, it's, it's, you, it's you people that didn't vote for Trump that are the mm-hmm. reason that we're having all these problems. It's you people that, that didn't vote for Biden. You're, you're, you know, you're the issue. So, right. you know, we're, we're going at each other on political levels. Yeah. Uh, we're going at each other on you know, if you're, if you're, yeah, I mean, we have divided the Southern Baptist Convention up into eight different pieces, and you know, you got to find your little, your little yep. one eighth piece to kind of live in, uh, and then we get, you know, we're going to be mad at you because you're not in one of the other seven eighths of the, of the, of the piece. Mm-hmm. So you know, we we are dividing ourselves, and and this is what's happening. And I think the world, man, mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I'm getting off in the circle no, now, good. but no, but I think you know, I think what the world really needs to see right now. Is a church that's unified. Yeah. Yeah. Now, not not ecumenically unified. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying, well, let's just roll all the denominational pieces mm-hmm. in. We're we're blowing those up just fine, thank you. <laughs> but but you know, I think it's it's for the world to be able to say, okay, somehow in the midst of this sea of chaos and trauma that we're living in, there's an oasis. Yeah. Here are people who are getting along. Somehow on this island called the church. These these people these natives on this island are getting along. Yeah. They like each other. Mm-hmm. They're 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 different too, but they still have figured out how to process that. Yeah. And what we're not letting happen is we're not letting the gospel speak into our trauma. Right. You know we're we're just trying to find all we're swinging, and we're you know we're like drowning people you know out here in the water, and and yeah. we're just swinging at whoever gets close to us versus. Hey, let's figure out how to help each other. Let's yeah. get each other to shore here. Let's get each other onto the island so we'll be okay and and mm. take care of each other. Instead, we just keep hurting each other more. Right. So right. Anyway. No, that's, but, that's good. No, I was just gonna say. I think I think what you're describing, if if we can, man, just slowly pursue that in the church, and that's that's like the goal mm. of of man seeking unity. In, in in man, it's just even in your local body. I mean, that can be one of the best like um, evangelistic tools. Of of our generation, and that's really what the church is meant to be attractive. And, and because we got all these different viewpoints and political parties and languages and uh, preferences coming together, like serving one another in the community, yeah. disregarding themselves. But um, so in light of that, and and this is kind of maybe we can be geared at two different types of people, because I know we have a couple of church leaders that listen to this podcast, as well as a lot of people that are just in congregations or maybe have left the church. So how do we, whether for the, maybe for the church leader, someone in that seat, and also maybe someone just in a congregational seat or someone who's, man, they're, they're out. How do we pursue a pure 
church, pursue maybe a more biblical form of, of leadership um, where we're always going to hurt people. We're going to let people yeah. down because we're not yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, but how, how, how would you speak to that to pursue man, a, a more biblical <laughs> uh, picture of the church kind yeah. of in all these well, areas? Well, and, and let me be confessional. If you're asking me directly, let me be confessional enough to say, you know, I'm not immune from hurting people, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes, I, I mean, I have hurt people. I know I have. I mean, I know I have. And, and, and uh, you know, it's, it breaks my heart when I find out that I have. Mm-hmm. I don't want to do that. But, yeah. you know, I'll say something. You can't, you know, you can't speak in public anymore without, you know, I mean, there's, there's all these different people listening from all these different perspectives. And some of those perspectives are going to be, they're going to they're going to be hurt by what you're saying if you're trying to be on you know so I don't think we can find a hurt free church you know I don't yeah. think you can find a church yeah. where you're just like there's no hurting people you know we there's if everybody's good you know I mean sometimes as I you know I'm, I'm, this is church leadership one on one but if you're a if you're a male pastor and you could, that's to not be a male pastor is an oxymoron but you know if you're if you're a pastor and you're a man in the pulpit. Every woman who has been traumatized by a man is looking at you, mm. and and they're having certain they're they're either going okay can I really trust this guy, uh, or is are all men the same even this guy, mm-hmm. you know so some some hurt gets imported to you just because of where you're standing, yeah you know you got a problem with your dad you got you know you got childhood trauma with your father you're going to import that to the pastor so th- mm-hmm. i mean you're going to transfer this on to the pastor and it doesn't matter then it, all the pastor has to do is just go a little bit off skew on something and all of a sudden boom all the all the trauma of your childhood comes back and you're going it's this you know this is yeah. this is the thing so some of it is that l- let me let me go back let me let me step back cuz I, I don't want to get out of sequence here but but let me let me say something I wanted to say a second ago, and, mm-hmm. that, and let me give you my my ninety second sermon on unity. Yeah, you know absolutely. we're we're um, I, I've been very blessed in a church, and and I really I really and truly don't take credit for because I don't I can't. Mm. Uh, it's the stuff that I mean I I just you know I've tried not to be stupid, but you know it's it's really uh, it's it, we've been very blessed in, in uh, Fruco. All of our arrows have always gone up. All of our growth arrows have gone up. Everything we've ever done, you you chart it. We're just kind of, you know, it's just growing, 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 growing. You know, we're back to pre-COVID numbers. We're, you know, surpassing that. So everything is, you know, I mean, all of our numbers that we look at and go, these are valuable numbers. You know, you yeah. say, okay, well, here's our income's good. You know, we're we're in we're in the top two percent. We're in the top two percent of commercial businesses in America right now. In terms of just you know because of the generosity of people at Fruit Cove and what they give, we are we are in we are in the top two percent of wow. businesses, yeah. you know of commercial play. I'm going man, I didn't know that. I mean, I, I found that on. I'm going what in the world? Mm. I had no idea. So if, if you're looking at that and going well, there, there's a successful church because they're that, their numbers are good, their baptisms are good, all those markers are great. But what if those are not the markers that Jesus looks for? They are what we look for, and they're how we evaluate people. And you're a good pastor because your numbers are there. You're not doing great because your numbers are not there. We do that. But Jesus is looking for one thing, and it has nothing to do with size of the church, has nothing to do with your growth numbers, with your growth curve, any of that. has nothing to do with any of that. He's looking for one thing, and that is, is this church 
unified. Mm. He did not say, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, because you got a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. So they're going to know, oh, that's G- Jesus is there because look at all the people. Yeah. No, listen, Paul McCartney can draw a crowd. So it's, you know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be Jesus to draw a crowd. Uh, you know, th- so that's not the marker. It's not like I got a lot of people. Uh, they got a lot of income. They don't worry about money. Well, you know, Jesus can make money out of nothing. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not that it, – that's not what he's looking for. What he's looking for is this amazing difference of, wow, these people really walk together. And they don't all agree. You know, I, I, was, I was really confessional to folks Sunday night. I said, you know, I really want this church to be a multi-generational church. And, and that is just like leadership suicide. It mm. is so hard to lead multi-generations yes. because we want so many different things and we see things so differently. I got a three-page inquiry this week from a, from a, a, a lady in the church that was very honest. She was very open, but she said, I just want you to know these are the questions I have. And, and some of the questions involve, you know, why, 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 are, uh, why are younger people smarter than older people? You know, doesn't the Bible say that the older people should lead the younger people? Yes. Well, then why do we keep saying we need younger people? Because I said, because we need younger people. I want yeah. younger people in the church. Mm-hmm. I said, I know what my drawing power is as a 68-year-old pastor. And, and it's not like I'm going to get the 25-year-olds because they love 68-year-old men. You know, that's yeah. not, that is not what's going to happen here. I said, we need the next generation. That's what, that to me, that's what we need to be. You know, how are we handing this on to the next generation? Yeah. But, but anyway, I'm on three different, I've opened five screens here. So let me, let me, let me kind of, let me kind of start closing good, a couple of things really off. Good. But, you know, it's, if we get, if we can just get the unity thing down. Yeah. You know, it's it's an amazing thing. I had listen, I had let me open another screen. <laughs> I had I had breakfast this morning with three teenagers from France. They came to Fruit Cove on Sunday. They came Sunday morning and then they wanted to come back Sunday night. Even though there was a swim party going on, they wanted to come to a church service Hmm. on Sunday night. Hmm. Two of them had never, ever been in church before until Sunday. One of them was Catholic and, you know, her contact was very limited. So I was talking, I'm going, how do you, you know, what does that even look like? To walk into an American church out of a different culture, and this is the first church you've ever been in. Hmm. And they loved it. And I'm thinking, you know, they came in. They had no preconceptions. Yeah. They had no prejudgments. They had no idea of what it was going to be like. But they walked in, and they said, this is wonderful. And, and they wanted to come back. And yeah. I'm going... This is you're so weird. This is so out of the I mean, this is not the way you're supposed to be as a teenager. This is not supposed to, you know, this is not as a, as a, you know, as an adolescent age person, as a student. This is not how you're supposed to be. You're supposed to hate this stuff. Mm. But they're going. This was one, you know, we loved it. They loved the music. They loved the, you know, the message. I'm going. This is so strange. But it was, it's so interesting when you sit with somebody who comes in and they had, they're not bringing the culture with them. Mm-hmm. They're not bringing their ideas and their, and their insights from the Internet and their, all of those things. They're just walking in and going, 
Yeah. This is wonderful. Now, if I, you know, give them four weeks, they'll, they'll get polluted with something. But, but for this, it was just a beautiful thing to see. I'm just going, this, I'm so, and I, and I mean, I was so intrigued. I said, I need to meet these, I need to meet these kids. Yeah. I'd really love to talk to them. Yeah. And man, I mean, it was really, I mean, I, I wish their language was really great, better than my French, but. You know, it was still. I thought I can't push them too. I mean, I knew they they were struggling a little bit with the language piece. So I'm thinking I can't push them too hard, but it was just that they they got there and they got they, they just like got they got something. Yeah. You know, and I think the something you get is unity. I think what people can feel, even if they don't get the message, they don't understand the message, they don't really know the music or don't understand the music. You can feel unity. Yeah. You can feel it. It's not a. It's not something that that's. It, it's, it crosses cultures. It cross, you know, we're just like, this is, this is the way this is supposed to be. Yeah. This is the way it's supposed to be. So, one thing that um, is continually coming to mind as you're talking is, like we we talked about, like okay, what's going on? What's wrong? Um, and you bring up collective trauma, which I mean, we're we're, we're a church, a building full of sinners, mm-hmm. <laughs> and so mm-hmm. sinners mm-hmm. hurt. Sin, sinful. Mm-hmm. We're we're sinful mm-hmm. to our core. So sin brings brokenness it brings hurt it brings trauma and one of the things that you are offering up as a solution which is biblical is this concept of unity and one of the things that just kept coming to mind um it was there are a lot of people who they'll they'll blame the church they'll deconstruct they'll leave the church because of the hurt and in their defense i'm saying that i'm saying they need to they need to look internally yeah but they're pointing the fingers but in their defense jesus did say the world will know me by the way you love each other yes and so Christ is saying, like, man, the, the world's going to know me by the way that you love one another. And in the people's defense, the church has not done a great job at loving one another and yeah. bringing this unity yeah. that you're you're talking about. And I, I, I just I, I, I'm reminded, like, all of the moments where my faith was strong was one when the church was super unified. Yes. And because not only was I think that people from the outside were experiencing the love of Christ, mm-hmm. but also I was experiencing yeah. the love of the Lord in different ways from my brothers and sisters in Christ. Yeah. I was experiencing Christ through them. And so I, I think like what, what we're kind of offering and what we're, we're saying is one of the steps for a pure church is we need a unit. We need to seek and pursue unity yes in the church more than more than even as hard as it is to say i mean it's not you know i mean the the great commission doesn't have a word about unity in it yeah it it doesn't say go into all the world and be unified yeah you know it says go into the world and make disciples mm. although a part of discipleship is learning how to walk in unity with yeah. other, you know so it's a secondary kind of kind of fruit that yeah. that's going to be there but again, I think when you start, you know, when, when you move away from just a pure ch- sending missionaries, planting churches piece, yeah. you know, the sending churches need to have that DNA of unity in them. And that yeah. goes then with the missionary when they go into the other culture to start planting a church or start leading people to Jesus, then they carry that with them. And I, and I do think, and I do, I'm, I'm very serious about using the word DNA. It is in the church. You know, if you have a disunified church that starts another church, the other church will eventually always become disunified. Yeah. Because it's in their DNA. It's planted in their DNA. Especially, I see a lot of churches start, and, and thank the Lord, Refuge did not. 
but I've seen a lot of churches that have started because they are mad at the mother church. They're upset with their mother church. They're yeah. upset with, you know, hey, this, these people have hurt me or they're whatever. You, if you go out and you plant a church, you know, based on that hurt, you know, you're running from that hurt or trying to avoid that hurt or deal with that. You're mm-hmm. taking that DNA with you. That yeah. that is now part of your system, and you're taking that with you. You don't walk away from that right. and go, "Well, over here, we're going to start this pure little island where those things aren't yeah. happening." Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of guys that think that's exactly what they're going to do. Well, our church will be different, and then and then you know we're finding out that the abuses and those things that are happening are happening as much in those churches, those kind of churches, yeah. as they are in at, you know more established traditional churches. So yeah, yeah. So, well, I, yeah. So. With unity at, at the forefront, I, I'm thinking of like, obviously, biblically, to pursue unity is we need to be more like Christ. We, and, and what Christ did is he forgave and he brought yeah. reconciliation yeah. continually. Yeah. So like, um, obviously, man committed sin, which was separation yes. of God. Yeah. God sends Jesus. Jesus died, like lives, does his ministry, dies on the cross, res, res, like. Rise, mm-hmm. rose from the dead three days later. And the whole point of that is obviously for the glory of God, but his purpose was to forgive humanity for yes. those that will accept yes. it by faith yes. so that there can be a res- restoration of relationship with the Father. Yes. And so the, the one that was actually harmed, the one that actually, if, if you could say God received trauma, he didn't receive trauma because mm-hmm. right. he didn't have right. trauma, but there was a harm done to him or a, um, an offense. Yeah. The one that has any say that I can be a victim is the Lord, but he and what he does is he tries to forgive and to reconcile all of this mess. Yeah. yeah. And so in your in in your experience and in your your dripping wisdom, mm. um, what does it look like for individuals within the body of Christ to say, "Hey, oh, we really do need to be like Jesus in this. We yeah. really do need to forgive. Yeah. We really do need to reconcile, even at the cost of our quote unquote." Trauma, which I'm not yeah. downplaying trauma. Yeah. There are yeah. some significant, yeah. tra- but there are situations where. It's well, like, let me let me define let me divide that. Okay, there, yeah. there's two there's two there's two pieces of that. One is, if you're in a church, and you are hurt. I mean, this is something I had to personally work through. It wasn't just that; I had other situations too I could share. But you know, uh, so I've had to work through this several times myself. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I'm sure I have also been the inflictor of this on other people. But, but you know, I am saying that if you are the person who has received, who has been mistreated, abused, uh, mishandled, failed, whatever word you want to use, yeah. I, you know, what I would walk with is the image of a divorce. Okay, and and in divorces, uh, of course, and people who are going through divorces will tell you. Uh, the ideal situation is we can get a divorce, but we can still maintain some kind of a friendly relation. You know, in other words, yeah. I, I'm divorcing this person. I don't want to destroy them because I'm divorcing them. I just can't live with them anymore. I'm not going to stay with them, but mm-hmm. I have no desire to destroy that person. Now, some people get hurt by a church, and it is their desire to divorce the church, but also to destroy it. They think, okay, my job now is I'm the avenger of the Lord's wrath, and I'm going to to make sure this church goes down because of what they did to me. Yeah. Okay. And and there's nothing godly about that. There's nothing. There's nothing wise about that. And that ends up destroying you. You have got to forgive 
the offender. You have got to. You have got to forgive. That is mandated. That is commanded. That is not optional. It is not. It is not smart for your mental health not to. There's a whole lot of reasons I can give you why you've got to forgive, even if they don't ask you to forgive them, even if they don't act like they're any different. Yeah. Okay. So I'm just taking what I would say to a person on a on a one on one in a one on one counseling situation, and just elevating that to systemic. You know, you have to. Sometimes there are churches. You have, it's not just a, a pastor. Sometimes it's it's a leadership body, or sometimes it's a a group of people that ostracized you, uh, yeah. or whatever. So you know, and and again, I'm I'm dealing with that on personal levels with people too all the time. So those kind of things, we have people that come into our church who have been hurt by other churches. Yeah, and I can't sit in a room and promise them say, well, I'll guarantee you that'll never happen at Fruit Cove. Yeah, that would just be the utmost deception. You know, I can't do that. I can't promise you that. You know, we're people. We're sinful. Uh, we're messed up. We're traumatized too. So you know, we're we're liable to hurt you. Yeah. You know, and I can't promise you we won't. It, I hope that it would be unintentional if we do, but yeah. you know, I can't promise you that you're never going to get hurt by people in this church. I have no control over all the people in this church. Sure. So I don't know, but what I do know is you have to forgive the people that hurt you. Now, the second question, reconciliation, is not mandated. It's never yeah. commanded in Scripture. Yeah. It's it's desirable. It's mm-hmm. what God, like you like you said, God's desire is that all things be reconciled. Everybody that everybody's going to be reconciled to Him and to one another. Yeah. That's God's desire. But the reality is, sometimes it is not smart. I cannot. There are sometimes when I see when I'm working through a situation where there's been a divorce or the divorce is in progress, I cannot, in good conscience recommend that the wife return to her husband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If I know there's been abuse, if I know there has the, th- the threat of abuse or something happening in that on that level, I can't say, now listen, you got to forgive him. Yeah. I can say that. I will say that. Mm-hmm. You have to forgive him. You do not have to reconcile with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, honestly, most cases the your life will be simpler if you do, but sometimes it's just not smart. As I tell people sometimes Sometimes you just got to forgive people, but don't turn your back on them. Yeah. Uh, sometimes you have to forgive people, but you can't trust them again, and yeah. and that's yeah. and they don't deserve that. And when you're in a toxic relationship with somebody, that's the case. Well, sometimes we get in a toxic relationship with the church. Yeah. You know, and and we either we either get inappropriately attached to the leader, and then the leader begins to manipulate and use us in ways that are not right. Uh, or, the, or they can sexually hurt us, whatever. Those those kind of things can happen, uh, and that's you know this, now that the deal's gone toxic. Yeah. You don't need to come back into that situation to prove. Well, let's reconcile. Hmm. You probably don't even have to need to have a conversation with that person again. You can forgive somebody and not even tell them you forgave them. Yeah. It's it's really not about them knowing that. Uh, as I have reminded people many times, you can forgive a dead person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, they'll never know that you forgave them. That doesn't matter. You know mm-hmm. that you forgave them, and that's what you need to do. You may need to stand at a gravestone and just forgive somebody. Yeah. And and that's. But they're not going to. You can't get the message to them. You know, that's yeah. not going to happen. Mm-hmm. So, I, I think that that part of what we really need to reenact what reconciliation looks like in churches, but also understanding that sometimes it is not the wisest thing to push somebody to reconcile with a situation with the church 
when when they've been hurt. Now, ideally, would it be great if they could? Yes. Yes. And would the, would the picture of the gospel be very clear if that happens? Yes. But the reality is, you know, the first thing I want to do is say, for your sake, you need to get disconnected from this emotionally and spiritually by forgiving this situation, even though they don't deserve to be forgiven, yeah. even though they, they haven't asked you to be, uh, and even though may that might they hurt other people, yes. Uh, does that mean you now have the right and the need to destroy that church? No. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. what you need to do is for your own sake, say, I'm pulling away. And if somebody says, why did you pull away? Well, if you really want to know, I'll tell you all this. But, uh, you know, it's it's not up to you to make sure that, boy, that church is never going to do that to anybody again. They're, every church yeah. is going to find some way to hurt people at some point, some level. Uh, mm-hmm. Usually it's not trauma- it's not that horribly traumatic, but people get disappointed with churches all the time. Sure. We can't stop that. Right. Yeah. And I wish we could. I wish we were perfect enough that we could just say, man, we'll never disappoint you. We'll never let you down. You know, We'll never make decisions that you disagree with. We'll never do things that are going to make you mad. We'll never say things from the pulpit that are going to disappoint you. We're never going to do that. Well, I can't do that, mm-hmm. not be honest. Yeah. But that's almost the kind of church people want. They want a church that guarantee me that I won't get hurt. No, I can't. You cannot love, as C.S. Lewis said, you can't love anything without risking being hurt. Yeah. Now, you can lock your heart up in this little box and never take it out, and you'll, you'll, you know, your heart will wither and die. Yeah. Uh, but you won't get hurt. Yeah. You know, so you have to just decide if you're going to engage in any kind of life you're going to engage with the possibility that you're going to be traumatized and hurt. Yeah. Now, again, you know, I mean, we get into the whole, uh, uh, you know, situation with Mark Driscoll and his church, you know, the Mars Hill piece, all the stuff on the blog and all the things that come out of that. You know, the, I mean, you, it gets it gets complex uh, and complicated to work through. How do you work through years of apparent, overt, you know, clear trauma, uh, somebody deliberately traumatizing you, not caring that they're doing it. You know, how do you how do you pull the props out from under that kind of person to make sure they don't do that again? You know, and that becomes a different kind of conversation. And this is where systems need to be in place to say, how do we fix that? How do we make sure that doesn't happen? Well, again, we're very disconnected as churches in America. We're very autonomous. So the Baptists are by declaration autonomous churches. Yeah. Uh, but most Protestant churches in America are, are autonomous groups. Yeah. So you can't, you know, I've got a little group of 35 people over here that are just chewing people up and spitting them out. I have no power over that. I can't walk in there on a Sunday and storm into the pulpit and say, here, get out of the way. Let me tell you all what you need to do. Mm-hmm. Well, they don't care. They'll, they'll carry me out with a, you know, with a, Catching that, you know, I mean, I mean, you can't do that with people. Yeah. So hmm. it's going to be an ongoing issue that you can't. We can't fix it. We can't. You know, we we can hope that I would hope that pastors would begin praying again. I yeah. would hope that pastors would would take care of their souls. I would hope that pastors would would be so disturbed by their own consciences that they would go, "Hey, I don't want to even be in leadership right now. Yeah. I just need to step out of this. I need to put myself in some kind of a." Uh, you know, discipleship process, something. So. Yeah, I. That's real good. I. I have one last question. I don't know, if Steve, if you have any questions or comments, but I think, uh, well, more so on the forgiveness piece. I, I think that, again, for forgiveness is becoming more and more foreign to our culture and more foreign mm-hmm. to our world. And I think pragmatically, it, it's difficult to 
um, think through it. So I, I, I would I would love to hear from you. Um, kind of like what is the mental emotional process of forgiveness? Like for instance, a lot of people say, well, you have to have a conversation with a person, but there might no, be an abuse no, situation no. where you're like you because they can't seem to no. let it go. Right. Um, but you obviously don't forget the harm that's been done to you because okay. um, you need, you need yeah. to be wise with reconciliation. Right. But what does forgiveness mentally, emotionally, maybe even physically look like? Well, I, I think let me, let me go to the end of it. The end of it is how do you know you have forgiven somebody? Because I have people all the time say, well, I forgive them, but I'm not, I haven't forgotten it. Or I'm, well, <laughs> you know, the, the reality is the Bible tells us very clearly that God we we th- think the scripture says that God forgets our sins. He does not. The only way God could forget our sins is if something went wrong with his memory. Yeah. The only way you forget your trauma and your sins that have been committed against you is if something happens to your brain. Yeah. So if your brain is traumatized, you'll probably forget stuff. Uh, but the reality is we look at forgetting stuff as, hey, that's a bad thing. Mm. You know, we want to remember stuff. And, and what we need to understand is that remembering the event of being injured, and this is, you've got to be really careful how I'm saying this, remembering what God did to bring healing and reconciliation to that event is an act of grace. It's a trophy. Yeah. Having that memory. But how do you know you have forgiven someone? Because you can have that memory and rejoice in what God did to bring healing and forgiveness. Okay? Now, if that memory is continuing to cause you pain and you're reliving trauma and remembering, you know, the the bloodshed in that situation, you have not gotten to forgiveness yet. Yeah. Okay? You've not completely let the grace of God wash in and wash this away. Okay? And, And that's what has to happen. True forgiveness, complete forgiveness, and this is the, the part we never get to. Complete forgiveness. How do I really know that I have forgiven somebody? Yeah. You will know you have forgiven somebody when you can genuinely pray for God to bless that person, and you mean it. Hmm. When we bless those who spitefully use us, we have reached forgiveness. Yeah. It's really good. Until you have gotten there, you haven't. You, you're there. You're on the way. You're on the journey. And it's a journey. It takes sometimes years to get through a true process of forgiving hmm. and letting go of things. But it's part of it is, is, cleanse, you know, it's, is cleaning out obsessive memories that keep coming back. You, know, you just yeah. like intrusive, in, obsessive memories that, that keep raiding back in and stealing your peace and your joy and and you know you try to worship and all you can think about is how this person said this or did this or you know let you down or hurt you in some way yeah. and and it gets replaced with anger and some of that you have to feel some of that i mean it's not wrong to go you know I, okay i am angry i'm hurt whenever you get you know whenever there's a threat and you get hurt you get angry as a response to that and yeah. so all you're acknowledging is yes that hurt you can't really forgive somebody until you acknowledge that they really hurt you yeah you know, so the first thing you have to process is I'm I'm really this is real pain, I'm really hurting. Now, what am I going to do with it? Yeah. So I'm either going to let it continue to torment me, and when you're in that torment cycle, when you're in that cycle of being tortured by those thoughts and memories, is when you usually reach out and try to hurt the other person. Hmm. 
or you want them hurt. You pray, God, make them blind. May God, may you know, give them cancer. I mean, mm-hmm. you, you're praying terrible things to happen to this person. Yeah. You want that to happen. You want them to suffer. You want them to hurt like you hurt. Hmm. And and when you're in that syndrome, when you're doing, when you're you know, you're grinding through that process, you have not forgiven that person. Yeah. Now the problem is, when I talk to you in June and in October, you're still there. You're probably stuck. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna give people time to to sail through some of that. They just gotta gotta get through some of that. Mm. But if they're there months later, now we're gonna talk about you're probably stuck at that point. You yeah. you're, you know you need we need to really figure out how to break you free from this because you are stuck in this syndrome of these continual hateful memories and they're eating up your peace and they're destroying you. You can't worship. You can't you know you can't feel close to God because of that. Yeah. So you you know you I think what we don't sometimes do is we we sell, we stop short of the goal line of of forgiveness. We we say we forgive we have it. Yeah. You know, well, I'm not trying to kill him so I forgave him. Well, <laughs> good. I mean, I'm glad especially if it's me that you're trying to forgive, I'm glad you're not trying to kill me, but <clears throat> that does not mean that you have really gotten to the place where I can not only remember what happened and and here's what the Bible says that God does. It does not say God forgets our sins. It says that God chooses not to remember them against us anymore. And what you have to do is, in spite of the fact that somebody hurts you, you are deliberately choosing inside of yourself not to hold that hurt against them anymore. Hmm. I'm not going to try to extract my pound of flesh. Yeah. And we would love to do that. You know, I mean, they, it used to, you know, old English custom, they used to, I mean, when they said, you know, you hurt me, I, I demand my pound of flesh. Well, if they find you guilty, they would literally cut a pound of flesh out of your back and, and weigh it. You know, here's your pound of flesh. You know, you get your, mm. well, that's what we want to do with people. Yeah. We want to, you know, we, well, let me just, I'm, I'm going to cut that out of you somehow. You know, you hurt me and took that out of me, so I'm going to take, I want my pound of flesh, yeah. you know. Mm. And uh, so, you know, but that's mentally and emotionally what we do to people. We, we want to just rip that out of them because of how they hurt us. But when you stop wanting to do that, I don't want this person to hurt anymore. I don't want this person, you know, to, to, to feel pain or to feel the fires of hell. We just want, you know, I just want them to, to just go on and be okay. Yeah. And, and, and Lord, you know, and, and, you know, when, again, when you can genuinely, not, not faking, but when you can genuinely pray for blessing for a person who has hurt you, you have forgiven that person. Mm. And until you have done that, until you've gotten there, you haven't completely forgiven. Mm-hmm. You partially forgiven, but you haven't completely forgiven. So. Yeah, that's great. I mentioned some of this earlier, but one of the things that I really struggle with first coming to faith was, then this might be some of our listeners, but I had a lot of bitterness and resentment towards my dad yeah. for the longest mm-hmm. time. And so I really struggled with how, how does one forgive someone who's already yes. passed yes. and who's dead? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you do that? Because, um, like, even what you're saying, like, how, like how do you, and I, I, how do you bless somebody who's already mm-hmm. not here? Mm-hmm. Or how do you pray mm-hmm. for blessing for someone that's mm-hmm. not here? And one of the things, and you said this throughout all the stuff that you were saying, what it had what had to happen was I processed and I said, "Man, this was harm. This was abuse." Yes. And I and I I labeled it because I'm not forgetting yeah. this memory. Yeah. You you did a lot of harm to our family. You weren't a good dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um. 
but justice and vengeance, I surrendered that to the Lord. Yes. And I said, this, you are, God's a good judge. Mm-hmm. He will bring justice yeah. to all the pain, the brokenness, the hurt, and the trauma. And then what I had to do is I had to let it go. Like I, I had to kind of, I didn't, I, I had to not hold that against my dad anymore because he wasn't here. Yeah. And that, what that was doing, it was just hurting me. Yeah. And I, I was continually hurting myself by holding on to all this pain and resentment. Yeah. And, and I think what you do in that kind of situation is, while you're you're right, I cannot go eye to eye with my dad and say, Dad, I want to bless you. Yeah. But if you can genuinely give thanks to God for your dad. Yeah. If you can genuinely say, God, he was not a perfect man. Exactly. He did things that hurt me. I know that was not your intention. I know that that was not your plan, your desire. He did what he did. Yeah. But I still know that you're in control, and I thank you for my father. Yeah. Because who I am today is partly due to who my father was. Yeah. You know, in good in good ways, and honestly, in bad ways. Exactly. And and so you know, I mean, that's how you get the blessing part. You know, to to say thank you, Lord, even though, you know, I I still thank you for that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's really good, man. Um, I know (laughs) I'm sitting here just listening to all of that, and. Man, it's impacting me. I'm thinking of situations and things that, um, man, and, and just my church context and people and stories. And so I know that, and our prayer and hope is that anyone who listens to this, man, I think it's probably going to bring up some, maybe some some things that you didn't even realize uh, you were holding on to. But our prayer and hope is that you know you would be able to work through those things with the Lord, and and that this is this is so so good, um, man. All all the things you said. Pastor, just um, thank you for leading us so well in this moment. I know for me personally, and I mean, Cam can speak to this as well. I mean, you have pastored us, my my family, you know, since I was, you know, 12 years old. And uh, so I'm, I'm just grateful to be able to sit at a table with you and, and hear, um, and just from you again, great, grateful for you. And, um, and man, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, man, this is huge. Yeah. Huge. So, hey, do all the things. Like, subscribe, leave us a review. We're grateful um, that you would listen to Mere Conversations today. And we will see you next time. Peace. (laughs) (laughs) Better forgive. It's okay. (laughs) Better forgive them.